Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on The Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. In India, despite the devastation from the second wave of COVID and ongoing opposition to Christianity in the region, our partners distributed over 20,000 Bibles to students and young adults. Over 700 at-risk men and women graduated from skills training programs, with 89% finding work immediately. Out of that graduating class, 140 accepted Christ. 190 new pastors were trained to start churches throughout India. Through our COVID response funding, over 30,000 people were fed or received medical attention. Construction of a Christian school in Southern India was completed and a second story was added to a Christian school in Northern India. In total, over 4,000 students are being educated through our partner schools. In Northern India, we helped build self-sustaining micro-enterprise programs. What started with only 11 water buffalo has now grown to feed and financially sustain 120 people. Today, we will hear from Saji John, leader of Asha Jyoti Ministries in Hyderabad, India. Asha Jyoti empowers at-risk women and men with employable skills, with many placing their faith in Christ and getting baptized along the way. Please welcome Saji John. Well, Venture, I want to welcome you as this week, we're going to have a little bit different message because we're in a little bit different series. This is Venture Unleashed. This is this time of year where we take a few weeks and we get the opportunity to look at what God's doing around the world, specifically in some of the areas where we have the privilege of partnering. And last week, we showed you some of the work that was going on in Mexico through Venture Partners and also the Middle East. This week, we're, we're looking at two of our longest standing regions, areas where God is doing unbelievable work, and we have unbelievable partners. You just saw the video of the work that's happening in India. And uh, I've just got to tell you, I love seeing how God is moving through our partners in India in very challenging circumstances. One of our strongest partners, Saji John, was scheduled to come fly here and be a part of this. But with COVID restrictions and all that was going on, Saji wasn't able to come and join us and be interviewed here, but we were still able to capture an interview via Zoom. And so I want to show you part of that interview just because Saji's one of those partners where God's doing some special things in his ministry. Uh, through their ministry there in Hyderabad, they have over 1,500 students who are part of their campus. Over 242 of them live there all the time. They've got 1,200 women who are being trained. We've got 71 young women who are being counseled because they're coming out of pretty traumatic situations. And they also have a church planning program. Saji's one of those guys, and, and I love him as a businessman, who has an eye for not only rescuing, but how do you rebuild? How do you set people up for life, both with the gospel, but also with skills for life? And you can imagine, if you've kept up with the news, the impact COVID has had in India and specifically in their ministry. And so as we welcome Saji and you see part of this uh, interview. He's going to tell us a little bit how COVID impacted them. Hello, Venture. Uh, glad to be here. This is Saji John from John Foundation. Uh, first of all, just want to say thank you for your prayers and partnership in the ministry here in India. 
uh, we are so very grateful for all your prayers and uh, grateful for standing with us for the many, many years. As for the COVID, uh, I think the second wave of COVID hit us very, very hard. And uh, it started around April uh, 2021. And we really had very bad situation. In fact, the situation was uh, so bad, we lost hundreds of thousands of people. And uh, the hospital situation became so bad that there were times when there were 18,000 patients in our own state waiting outside the hospital for a bed. And there were many cases where they had to wait three or four days for a hospital bed. And finally, when they got a bed, they didn't have the needed oxygen or ventilators. So we lost thousands of people not getting a hospital bed or having facility to have the ventilator. And the other sad thing was when people died, and I have seen this with my own eyes, uh, Hindus usually cremate their dead bodies. And even if the crematorium or a cremation from the ground, there were no place to cremate the dead bodies. And the relatives who brought these dead bodies had to wait eight to 10 hours just to cremate their body, just on the road waiting with the body. And that was the kind of situation. And the people who were very badly hit were the migrant workers. Uh, there were thousands and thousands of migrant workers who lost the jobs because of the lockdown. Most of the companies and organizations, businesses all had to shut down uh, because of the lockdown and the migrant workers lost work. And these are people who live on daily wages. And when they don't have work for three days or four days, then they don't have anything to eat. The other group that was hit very bad was the single moms. Uh, single moms who work as daily wage workers or domestic help, when they don't have work for a week or so, then they don't have any money to buy food. And uh, they were really struggling, single moms and the, and the children. So people who were really hit very hard were the migrant workers and the single moms and single moms and their children. And what we were able to do was we distributed nearly 12,000 food grain packets. And uh, this is where I really want to thank Venture Christian Church for helping us with the uh, food grain packets. And really, this really saved lives of 3,000 families. And uh, we were able to go and give them food grain packets that would last for a week. And uh, so you really, through your prayer and financial support, you are able to save the lives of 3,000 families. And we are so uh, grateful to you for that. So that's what basically we did with COVID. Yeah, we were excited as a church to be able to step in. You know, the COVID relief fund that we established and money that went across the Bay Area, we also sent to international partners. And so when Saji reached out and said, hey, we, we can, with these food grain packets, literally save lives. Uh, we, we immediately responded and said, yeah, we want to be a part of that. But one of the things I love about Saji is he's always looking at it, not just to rescue. Their whole ministry is built on how do you rebuild lives? How do you help people that wouldn't have a future otherwise? And so one of the things that he said is they immediately started asking themselves, what are the new opportunities that COVID's opening up? And they were able to add 33 more orphans to their orphanages. They had 30 students. They had more women to the skills training program. They sponsored students who wouldn't be able to go to school otherwise. 
A, a love of mentality, because you, you heard how devastating COVID was, but instead of pulling back, they stepped forward. In fact, I'd encourage you to, to look into this ministry more because Saji's done such a great job of helping to, to rescue some of the most desperate people and be a part of training them and establishing them all while sharing the gospel. Listen as he describes uh, some of the categories of women that they're able to help in this program, but also the impact long-term. We have three categories, mainly three categories of people in that. One is girls rescued from sex trafficking and uh, temple prostitution. Uh, we bring them to our campus. The second one is we bring young uh, school dropout girls. That is girls who have studied up to eighth grade, ninth grade, and the parents were not able to send them further to schooling or college. And they are just sitting at home and very vulnerable to traffickers. We bring them, them to our campus. And the third main category is single moms, uh, widows who have lost their husband and they are not equipped or they don't have enough education to go and work somewhere. So we bring them also to our campus. And we have 17 government recognized skills training program that includes computers, beauticians, spoken English, office management. Uh, recently, this year we introduced pre-primary teachers training program, lab technician, uh, and also uh, nursing care assistant. These are all government recognized courses. Now, if they've come from the rescued from sex trafficking and temple prostitution, we take a lot of time in counseling them. And once the counseling sessions are over, of course, it's an ongoing process. Then they go through the six months of training program and they get the both the theoretical and practical experience. And then at the end of their course, for example, last Friday, we had 191 students graduating. This was just last Friday. And just before the graduation, we bring in number of local companies uh, like garment factories, uh, data entry centers, uh, the factory owners and different ones to our campus. And they have an opportunity to interview our girls and give them jobs. And the job interview takes place right in our campus. And so far, our average uh, is about 89 to 90% employment. In fact, in two, 2018, just before the pandemic started, we had 100% employment. This is about 1,200 students and 100% employment in 2018. Otherwise, we get an average of 89%. So basically, we are taking girls who are who are trafficked into sex trade or who are vulnerable to traffickers, we are bringing them, providing them skills and helping them to get a job, stand on their own leg so that not only they are self-sustainable, but they can also empower their next generation, children uh, and others. So that's what basically we do. Uh, I mean, just for the encouragement, your encouragement, today we had SOS. SOS is a large uh, children organization. They just came and signed an MOU with us. They want to send every batch 60 girls whom they are rescuing for our skills training program. Uh, we had IJM who come to us for skills training. But many large organizations uh, who are all very good in rescue, but God has blessed us with this skills training program over the last, uh, since 2008. And it has such reputation in our state and the city today. Uh, and, and everybody is happy to take our girls and give employment. And that's really a blessing for us. Yeah, I love that. 
I love the way that, and, and if you meet Saji, uh, everybody around him will tell you he's such a good businessman, but he also has such a great heart of ministry, and he combines those two. And using his entrepreneurial skills and looking at ways to not only rescue these girls out of sex trafficking and, and out of temple prostitution, but training them in the skills that are needed in the region. He'll say it, that they don't have a set curriculum. They're always asking the businesses, what do you need? And whatever skills are being hired, whatever jobs are needed, that's what they train them. And you, you have this unbelievable rate of employment so that these girls are able to truly lead this life and leave their, their past behind and be established and be able to help their family as well. Now, you may hear all that and you go, well, I'm hearing all the business out of it. Where's the ministry? And let me just tell you, all of this is done because he has a passion to see Christ proclaimed. Listen as he describes how, how these young women are exposed to the gospel through this. What we do is when the girls come to our campus, we have everyday morning devotion. They join the staff devotion. They go through devotion. We don't force them. We tell it, I mean, because many of them are non-Christians. We tell them, look, it is your choice. You can come and attend. Some of them hesitate in the first two or three weeks, but most of them afterwards, they have no problem because uh, there are so many uh, students in the campus and Bible college students with the counseling, friendship, all of them come and the worship time and the community time, they start coming. Uh, so we start with devotions. And while they are doing the course, we bring in people who have come to know Christ from non-Christian background, like Muslims and Hindus who have come to know Christ. They will share their testimony to these people. So we do that as a next level of sharing the gospel. And then the Bible college students or the church planters who are in the training program in the campus, they use that as a personal evangelism to these students. I mean, they have their evangelism field right in the campus. Because when the students are doing their church planting, we have 1,250 non-Christian students in the campus with whom they can practice evangelism. So they do that. And then one day we show a Christian movie, which is an evangelistic movie. At the end of that movie, we share the gospel and we give them an invitation to accept Christ. Now, the, usually we get about 250 to 260 uh, students accepting Christ every year. And we have about 68 to 69 students taking water baptism uh, and they all become part of the local church and then at the graduation we give bible as a graduation gift to them and uh, and most of them uh, i mean uh, though they may not publicly express it this 260 what i'm saying are publicly who expressed who have accepted christ but for some of them are scared though they accept him in the heart because of safety and security reasons, they may not be able to publicly say it. Uh, because in India today, it is very uh, dangerous, especially if you're coming to know Christ from non-Christian background. And it is more dangerous if they take water baptism. Uh, but we use every opportunity. Our goal, our main goal is to make Christ known. So we use every opportunity to share the love of Christ. That, that is so powerful. And, and just to give you some concept, th this is a region, I mean, with what's happening in India, so many people are having to pull back. And, and to have a ministry that you're not only rescuing thousands, but you're seeing hundreds, even thousands come to Christ through it and experience that kind of life transformation, it really is exciting what God's doing there. It, it's powerful to see it. 
you, you know, the skills training program is so recognized. Uh, Saji has different corporations. He's had different banks come and say, hey, we'll sponsor this skills program. In, in fact, one bank told him, we'll sponsor it, give you millions. But here's the one thing. You can't talk about Jesus. You can't talk about the gospel. And Saji looked at him and smiled and said, I'm sorry, number one priority of this program is to make Christ know. And so it didn't take their money in order that they could stay true to the ministry that God's called them to. You know, if you, you're around them much and you listen to them, any of those who've been able to travel and, and see it firsthand, there's story after story. We're, we're talking broad numbers, but these are real lives. In fact, I want you to hear from Saji of one of these life stories, and then also some ways that you've been a part, if you're part of Venture, giving to this ministry. One of the things is I want to share with you about uh, Vijaya. Uh, Vijaya is a girl who was brought to us maybe about uh, six months ago. Uh, she lost her father to HIV AIDS. Uh, and when, when her father died of HIV AIDS, the villagers came to know finally that he died of HIV AIDS. Uh, so they chased both her, her and her mother out of village. And uh, finally they ended up on the road and uh, actually a Catholic nun saw them. And uh, she brought both of them to us and uh, we were able to find a job, small job for uh, Vijaya's mother. And we took Vijaya into our campus she trained with us uh, for six months uh, in the computer MS office, basic uh, operation. And uh, just uh, last month, she got a job in one of the best medical college in Hyderabad as a, uh, in the reception area, area as a data entry where they enter all the patient's information and all. And she was so joyful. I mean, when, when our father died, when the villagers pushed out, she was so feeling so rejected and no place to go. Basically, they were on the road. Uh, we were able to take her and she came back to our campus just two weeks ago, just crying and thanking us for the way we helped her and those kind. And, and she accepted the Lord and so full of joy and worshiping Christ. And today, today she goes to a local church. Uh, that brings us great joy. That was one thing I wanted to share. Second thing, I just wanted to thank... Uh, uh, the Venture Christian fa uh, Church family. One, I just want to say that their prayer and support has helped. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the, I mean, the 3,000 families during the shutdown and pandemic, basically, you saved them from death. I mean, so many people lost life uh, of hunger. This is real story of India. Uh, but thank you, Venture family, for allowing us to have that food grain packets and to distribute to those single moms you saved those lives and we really want to thank you. And we distributed those food packets even in remote village uh, churches, pastors, because most of the remote village pastors survive on the weekly offering. And the, when the church shut down and the church was locked down, they had no money to survive. I remember myself walking into a Christian uh, family, pastor and wife and two children. And when I took the food grain packet for three days, they had not eaten anything. And, and, and I just cried there sitting in their home because they said, they said, sir, we, the church is closed for last so many weeks and I have no offering. I have no, and he was saying, he was thinking of, uh, I mean, I know it was coming from a pastor. He said, we had no option, but to die or to kill ourselves. And you arrived at the right time. 
and uh, we we uh, so we want to thank venture church for allowing us to do that as well and thank you for allowing us to rescue with your funding we rescued so many girls we specifically 46 girls were rescued from sex trafficking this year with venture funding so thank you for that and 680 girls were trained in skills training program that with venture funding and i want to thank you for that and 43 church uh, planters uh, were sent out and 22000 bibles were distributed with venture support and uh, 140 students accepted christ and four churches were planted this year and i just want to say thank you i'm saying these figures just to encourage your heart i know uh, you contribute this you may not see with this with your own eyes but want to just say thank you thank you for standing with us thank you for praying for us your your sacrifice your your generosity is really making a difference and we are grateful to you for that and uh, please ex- uh, accept our gratitude and and gratefulness and we are grateful for your partnership and standing with us i, I don't know about you when i hear that um it's humbling it's pretty sobering and humbling and uh at the same time uh, you know saji's thanking us i i'm just so thankful for him i'm thankful for the ministry there i'm thankful for so many of you who stepped forward over the years and you you've contributed and you partnered and and we are able to be a part of literally lives being rescued and restored and rebuilt for churches being planted for for families who were starving to actually have food I I don't know I'll say it again it's humbling to be a part of it and I think that's why it's so important this time of year to just take the time to hear the stories to connect with our partners to rub shoulders with them God's doing some amazing things in India I told you last week we, we don't have to light the burning bush God's lit the bush we just want to come with the resources to pour fuel on the flame Now India is one of those key areas another incredible place where God has moved over the years and venture has been a key part of it is in Ethiopia. And I want you to see a little bit about what's happening in the country and then also hear from one of our special partners. In Ethiopia, despite the pandemic, famine and regional conflict, God has been moving in supernatural ways. Muslim leaders are seeing God through dreams and being led to faith in Christ through other believers. Last year, our Ethiopian partners reported seeing over 27,000 new believers, almost 2,000 new churches, and the training of nearly 5,000 church leaders. A new well was drilled in the Kokosa district, and we funded a program that rehabilitates over 100 trafficked women annually, like Fatia. a single mom who was living on the streets but now runs a small business. We also saw many families fed last year as a part of our response to the economic downturn and regional conflict throughout the country. Today, we will hear from our missionary partner Aichi Bayane. Aichi is the regional director for New Generations, a ministry that works to multiply disciple-making movements in Ethiopia by focusing on obedience-based living and engagement with the Bible. Please welcome Aichi Bayane. My name is Aichi. I'm from Ethiopia. I'm married to Saga, a wonderful wife and a gift from God. 
and also God blessed us with five children. God called me for mission work for the last 26 years and I've been focusing among the unreached people groups in the Horn of Africa. Our call from God is to see the disciple-making movement being ignited, accelerated, and sustained. The country is facing uh, a historic kind of crisis right now, one upon another. Uh, but in spite of this, it is amazing for me to see God working through this uh, broken heart, this broken situation that seems impossible. Right now in our ministry, this is the season that we have seen an amazing hand of God, uh, especially the last six months that I, as I just witnessed, over 728 churches has been planted. Over 8,000 uh, disciples have come to the Lord, and half of them also uh, are from a Muslim background. So God is penetrating the darkness and showing His glory. Our people are living, majority of this hand-to-mouth kind of like this. So when, when things are shutting down and everything, movement is limited, there is a lot of economic crisis because I, we don't know how to handle. As a result, communities become starvation camp. Families don't know what they put in the table to their families, to the children. I remember in the locust time that's just happening in the eastern part, farmers were disappointed because Father farmers were not able to feed their families. Next year, there is no food. So because of that, we have been praying and reached to our partner, Venture. Venture has been a right hand to the work of God in Ethiopia. So as a result, with the, with the support that we got, we provide, we got the food, you know, basic food, sanitary materials, and emergency needs that we provided and we took to over 10,000 families. These are communities all over traveling. Some of them were not able to get food from one place, but we are just shipping it, transporting it, and bringing it to them. Most of the places that we were were uh, places that has been gospel restricted, in a quotation. When we went there, especially one community I remember, and they called me, this is the leader, the spiritual leader of that community, he said, how come you came? Because we expected our people, which means his religious uh, people from Addis could come and help us, but they didn't. The church, the, the building that we were worshiping, we damaged it, we persecuted. No one is there now. Why did you come? Because we want you to be removed from our region. We don't need you anymore. And instead of that, you brought us food. You brought us compassion. And lastly, he said, forgive us for what we have done so far into you. After this, instead of being you coming, we will be your guard. You can do, you can express your faith as much as you want. You are our brother. We have seen that if it is needed even to use our mosque, I will allow, he said. As a result, we got that penetration. We believe that, you know, God loves the lost. And it is his desire to send his people, the church, to be the hand, the church to be the messenger, the church to be to deliver the gospel and the message, and the disciples to be obedient in delivering that message. Venture in partnership with ordinary disciples like us have done it. Have done it in Bali Oromo, now is doing it among the Haraki Oromo. I'm really, I just want to say, Venture, 
Thank you for your investment. Your investment have produced not just 30 fruits, not just, just 60 fruits, but a hundredfold. Because I am the living witness in that happening. I have spent over 26 years of my, of my life in mission, but I've not witnessed to see God, what God has done the last six years. And I'm grateful that God allowed me and given me this time to see my people being reached by the gospel. This is happening because of the strategic partnerships that we have in venture. One, one of the encouraging things that we see is uh, people coming to the Lord so, so that they are determined to follow Jesus Christ in spite of any consequences. This is a young man from a Muslim background in the eastern part of the country among the Haragi or Roma people. And uh, these people are 99% Muslims and uh, to be Haragi or Romo means to be Muslim. There is no other ways. First, as we have been doing every time, when we focus in a people group, we mobilize prayer because we believe that prayer is the backbone of this movement. And then uh, we start to look for the person of peace in that area. So this young man, uh, Kadir, uh, was uh, the person that happened to meet one of our strategic coordinators, and he came to the Lord in amazing, miraculous ways. And Kadir started to share with his wife about Jesus and his wife accepted the Lord and he started to share with his, with his neighbors. So, and he was so touched by the love of God, he could not keep it for himself only. So he started to share uh, the good news. And Kadir, very soon after a few months, he became effective. He was able to make disciples and equip other disciples to do the same. The extremists saw these things because if we are not stopping Kadir, he is going to bring all of them to the faith that he's believing. So they were not happy about it. One night they got him and uh, gave him a choice, uh, whether he's, uh, he's, he's following Jesus or is he willing to go back uh, to the previous religion? Our uh, Kadir was bold and courageous enough to say, no, I won't go back. I have accepted Jesus as a Lord and Savior. As a result, uh, they just chopped one of his, his hands. I was with him, with Kadir last time. I told him, do you regret by your decision? He said, Aichi, I won't regret. Because for Jesus, who has given me his life, and even if they take another, another part of my hand, I will still follow Jesus. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a citizen of heaven, the Bible clearly told us that this world is not an asphalt for us. It's not a smooth journey. There will be troubles that come because of our faith. The faith that we have, we have accepted are also, you know, uh, been clearly told us that we are going to face challenges. The challenge may be different. The challenge that we face in Africa may not be happening here, but it's a different challenge. But every follower of Christ is not exempted from trouble from persecution. In fact, that's where we see the hand of God. That's where we become stronger to our faith. How are we shaping our lives? A lot of, you know, one of the benefits that has the last uh, one year and a half has been uh, believers were able to spend 
themselves with their family, a quality time. I, I did that with my family. A lot of timing, a lot of fellowship, a lot of prayer, a, a lot of time that I have never ever spent that much time in my house because I was a bit busy in ministry, but we, we all got that quality time. But now when things are opening up, are we continuing that lifestyle, that quality lifestyle? So uh, the world tried to distract us, but as Jesus told us, the main thing is to follow Jesus and be the salt and the light of God. So this is, this is a Christian uh, principle. This is a Christian lifestyle. So uh, as a Christian, we need to be ready because persecution is not geographic. It's not people group. It's not here and there. As a Christian, that citizenship is a lifestyle that's bringing. So, but there is a great, a great promise. I always get excited when I read Matthew 28, where Jesus said, go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And after that, he said, when you do these things, I am with you till the very end. That great promise is with us. That's why sometimes we may, we may are afraid as we share the good news to our neighbors, our families. When we are really stretching our lives to be the salt and the light, there is fear that comes. There is, there is sometimes, you know, we're not comfortable to do that. You know what? In spite of those challenges, there is a great promise. Jesus said, I am with you till the end. That's a comforting word for me as I do the ministry. That is, that is what is really keep, it keeps me going as a few. The greater vision that really God gave us, uh, myself, my wife, and also the rest of the team is to see gospel poverty being eradicated in the Horn of Africa, to see gospel poverty being eradicated in Ethiopia. And we are always asking, what will it take to do that? What will it take to see that? So we all have, always have that, that three stage of igniting, accelerating, and sustaining disciple-making movement in every Andish people groups and places. In the next year, there is one people group that we just started this year. This people group called the Hierarchy Oromo. There are over five million in the eastern part of the country. Mission work has been done for the last 78 to eight, 70 to 80 years, but a very few result that has been. These people are strategic. That can take us also to another people group, even cross-border to Somalia, because intermarriage is happening always. We see these people, just not only them, but they are the gateway to other people group. So we are focusing on that one. I'm grateful venture is partnering with that strategic partnership. We want to see that disciple-making movement being ignited among that people group. And we see the gospel movement being accelerated in that movement, movement people group. We are right now uh, you know, uh, starting and putting a, a foundation on the, the equipping center in the middle of that people group. We are working as an access ministry of children ministry in that people group. The discipleship program is already in momentum in that people group. We believe God will give us hundredfold results in the coming year. We are already praying 
mobilizing prayers. We have a 24 hours prayer intercessors for that people group in a close by city in the eastern part of the country. So I'm really grateful and seeing God doing uh, beyond and above what we have planned or imagined. So I'm really grateful for venture. And the bigger picture is God using ordinary disciples like us. We see his glory being expanded among many other hundred people groups. We are working out with over 27 people group in the country. And we have also cross-bordering to other countries to be able to bring this message of the gospel to that. So that's our vision and we believe God will do it. Wow, I don't know about you, but when you hear stories like that, and especially that level of sacrifice and what God's doing through it, I'll just say it again, it's both humbling and sobering. In fact, I told you this week, the message is a little bit different. Uh, it's not our normal extended message where we look at a passage. If anything, here's what I'd say. We're looking at some living epistles. We're looking at people that they're living out. What does it mean to walk with Christ in this way? That's why I think this time of year is so important for us as a church. I think it is so important for us to, to see our partners, to see the work that's happening, to see what God's doing around the world, because it changes our perspective. And I think it's important to rub shoulders with some believers who are leading and living and walking like this in these parts of the world. I'm reminded how Paul puts it uh, when he talks about his own life. You know, Paul points to his life as kind of a living epistle, not just what he wrote to the churches, but he also points to himself. You know, 1 Corinthians in chapter 4, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That's a powerful statement. He literally is saying, if you're trying to figure out what this looks like, imitate me. A little bit later in chapter 11, he says it again. He says, be imitators of me. And notice, he adds this on, as I am of Christ. He's not saying it's about his life. He's not a narcissist. It's not about Paul. But here's what he is doing. He's saying, look, I am so sold out for Christ. I am so passionately pursuing him. Maybe not perfectly, but passionately. And so if, if you want to know what it looks like, just, just look at me. And the things you see me doing, you do them too. And, and today, I, I had that same sense as I, you know, heard Saji talking about what they're doing there in India. When I, when I heard Achi talking about the, the level of both sacrifice and, and the amazing ways God's moving in Ethiopia. As I, I look at these brothers in Christ, and I look at their, their lives, and, and, and we've seen it both weeks so far with our partners all over the world. When I look at several of our missionaries who are home right now, and the, the level of sacrifice and their passion to take the gospel across this planet. I mean, for me, it's just a time of year where it gives me some living epistles again and go, okay, that's what it looks like. And here's what I'd encourage all of us. I mean, as we think about imitating, as we think about learning, as we think about the stories we hear today, and, and I'll say this again, I don't want this to be something where we go, oh man, that is awesome what God is doing out there. Remember, part of the focus is, what is God doing in here? What's God doing in my heart? What do I need to learn from them? And there, there's two things I would just ask you today 
to, to just, we would do well to imitate. One is, we would do well to imitate their attitude. You, you notice, you heard what's going on in Ethiopia, what's going on in India, what's going on in last week in Mexico. I mean, we've got partners who are facing the cartel, people that are losing their lives, people that lose a hand, people that are experiencing persecution. And yet, when you listen to their stories, these are not people with a persecution complex. If anything, over and over again, you know what you hear from them? Yeah, this is hard, but God's in control. And he's opening up new doors through this. Because I, I just think we would do well, and I'm just talking for those of us in the States here. I think we would do well to learn from their attitude, to imitate them. It's been a hard couple of years. We're facing things in our culture. We're watching our country become post-Christian. And, and yet, here's the attitude, guys. Yeah, it's hard, but God's in control. And he's going to open up new opportunities for us to be able to be, be banner carriers, be ones who share Jesus Christ with a world that needs to hear what he's doing. And so I just encourage you, I think we would do well to imitate their attitude. The second thing I'd ask you to imitate is imitate their action. That's the thing that stood out to me in each of the regions we've heard in our missionaries. These are people, they're doing something. They get in the game. They're involved. They're, they're not waiting for the kingdom of God. They want to actively be a part of those who are bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And they do something. And I would just encourage you. Man, some of you, you've heard about this, you've heard about this, you've heard about this. You hear about India, you hear about Ethiopia, you hear what we're doing in Mexico, you hear about the Middle East, hear about the Bay Area. And it, it always is this thing that there's an intent in your heart that says, oh man, that's a good thing. I'm glad we're doing that. And yet you're not in on the action. You've never signed up for a mission trip. You've never served in a project. Maybe you've never stepped forward and said, yeah, I want to pledge my resources to be a part. If there's anything that I want to imitate from the partners that we're seeing, th these are men and women of action because they actually trust Christ by faith. And, and so maybe today you need to step out. A number of ways that you can step out in it. One, go online and look at these regions. Maybe you want to pick one of them that you go, yeah, I'm really going to start praying. I'm going to find out more about our partners there. As COVID's coming to a better place, we're looking at mission trips again. Maybe this is the year that you step out and you go on a short-term trip. You know, in both India and Ethiopia, we have a great child sponsorship program where we're able to sponsor these kids to be able to go to the school. Now, one of the ways that God's blessed so much right now, they have the financial resources for the sponsorship program. And, and so they, frankly, when this is usually the time of year where we're trying to get people to, to raise more money. We don't need the money, but here's what we do need. We need prayer partners because it's more than just money. It's families who've said, yeah, I want to pray for that child. I want to know about that child. I want to be a part of that child's life. And so if you'd like to be one of those prayer sponsors, I'd encourage you, you can see it online there. Just, just email. Say, yeah, sign me up. I want to be a part of that too. Final thing I just encourage you, and, and you're going to hear more about it over the next few weeks, 
But if you've never stepped forward and been a part of making a faith promise pledge, where you commit your resources over and above what you normally give, man, this is the year to do it. Because these are the stories, these are the lives, these are the people that we're sponsoring through it. You literally have the opportunity to see people, their physical lives changed, but more than that, their future has changed and their eternity has changed. Because people in this church said, yeah, I'll pledge that. I'll by faith make a pledge because I want to see my resources be a part of it. Guys, it's good for us to rub shoulders with living epistles. It's good for us to hear from people we need to imitate. And and so I just encourage you today, both in attitude and action, let's not just admire these people. Let's learn from them and imitate them. You pray with me. Father, I do thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in India. I thank you for what you're doing in Ethiopia. I thank you for partners that we have all over this planet. I thank you that you give us the privilege of being a part. Lord, I pray that we would not just admire, but we would imitate. I pray that you would mobilize us. We don't want to miss out on what you're doing. And we thank you that you've given us the opportunity and the resources to be a part. And so we lift this before you in Christ's name. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.